You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Uh, kia ora koutou, everybody. No my heart my welcome out to church this morning. It's so good to have you with us. Uh, we are great friends and fans of Christian Savings. They have supported us no end with all the building work and things that we've done here. And so I want to encourage you, if you're interested in the work that they do, go see the info team. There's a bunch of brochures there. Um, you know, you can use your finance, grow your finance, but also use it to further the kingdom of God and build churches and schools and all kinds of stuff for the kingdom. So go have a look, go have a chat. Um, check out the website if you'd like to know more. Beck sends her love. She's currently at the Papakura campus today. So you've got me. Sorry. It's all good. Uh, welcome to the guests and visitors we've got with us as well this morning. So good to have you guys with us. I hope you have a great time. And one more time, can we just thank all the guys, oh, congratulate all the guys who got baptized today. How good was that? I love it. I got to meet Mosika uh, last Sunday in the guest lounge. We had a good chat and it's just amazing to see people come to know Jesus, radically turned around, getting baptized. I mean, next thing he's going to be preaching next week. Just watch out. I want to preach a message this morning that comes out of Exodus chapter 28. And as uh, we, read through, we read through Exodus 28, we see God giving instructions to the nation of Israel around worship and the building of like the tabernacle and the place of worship. And then he gives some instruction as to what the priests are supposed to wear when they're in the temple and when they're serving God. Um, the priests have a dress code. A dress code. Um, a lot of things have dress codes. It's important to know what the dress code is. You go to a wedding, there's a dress code. Formal events have a dress code. Um, it's, there's nothing worse than being invited somewhere and not knowing what the dress code is. And you show up either severely under or severely overdressed. I uh, got invited by an amazing guy in our church to come with him to a corporate box at Eden Park to watch the blues. Not recently, it was a, little, a few years ago to go and watch the Blues play, the Mighty Blues. And he, called, he said, Steve-O, do you want to come with me to a Blues game? Oh, we're in a corporate box. I'm like, dude, you had me at hello. I'm coming with you. So we go along, and, and I, I, what happens is I'm, I meet him at his house. We're going to go together, and I get to his house, and he's wearing a full suit, full suit. And I'm in jeans and a jumper. And, and I said, bro, what's going on? Do I need to get changed? And he goes, no, 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 you're all good. He says, just for me. He says, you're all good, you're all good. I have to be a bit formal, but you're all good. And so we go along to the corporate box. It turns out it's the corporate box of Auckland Rugby. And the dress code in the corporate box of Auckland Rugby is that men have to wear a blazer. So there I am in the corporate box in Eden Park, and I'm the only one who looks like I came out of a Kmart catalog. <laughs> Everyone in the room is either in a full suit or a blazer, and here I am looking like an absolute idiot in jeans and a jumper. I'm so furious at this friend in our church. He's still in our church. Let's pray for him. <laughs> He's just, just in our church still. It gets worse. About halfway through the game, a whole plethora of All Blacks royalty walked in the room. I'm talking previous coaches, knights of the realm. There was... Even the current All Black coach, Ian Foster, walked into the corporate box. And Lord, we just lift up the All Blacks to you right now in the name of Jesus, this World Cup year. So there are All Blacks, there are current All Blacks, there are previous All Blacks, there are All Blacks coaches, and then there is Stevie in jeans <laughs> and a jumper. Dress codes are important, right? Dress codes are important. And 
in this chapter in the book of Exodus, as God is establishing this nation of Israel, he gives instruction to what the priests are to wear. And he's, he's really specific. There's like a linen robe, there's an ephod, there's a breastplate, there is a turban. And I'm not saying we should bring all that back for you guys uh, today. But what I will say is this, in Revelations 1 verse 6, the Bible teaches us that those who are in Christ are now priests also unto God. Like all of us, if you're in Jesus, if you're a follower of Him, that you and I, we are all now priests unto God. And as I read through this chapter in Exodus 28, I realized that there's some beautiful imagery in this about what the priest was wearing and how that can reflect beautifully in our own walk with God and how we are to serve God. And actually, we can learn some stuff from this dress that I think is going to help us understand what it means to live as someone following after Jesus and as a priest unto God. So we're going to go on a little exploratory journey through some of the clothing of the priests. I bet you've never heard someone preach on an ephod before. But here we go. Up the wires. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, the first question is this. What names are you carrying? What names are you carrying? In Exodus 28, verse 9, it says this. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave them with the names of the sons of Israel. Six of the names on one stone and the six on the other in the order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of Israel's sons. You shall enclose them as settings of gold filigree, and you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel and Aaron, who was the high priest, shall bear the names before the Lord of his two, uh, on his two shoulders for remembrance. So there's these two onyx stones carved with the names of the tribes and the sons of Israel resting on the shoulders as an act of remembrance. It was like a reminder to the priest. A reminder of what? Do you have that friend that has that ability to make everything about themselves? Maybe they're just my friends. That, that friend that no matter what goes on in your life, they've always got a better story. They've always, something like that's always happened, but in greater measure to them. It's like you injure yourself and they tell you all about their injuries. Oh man, I hurt my thumb. Oh, let me tell you about my thumbs. And talk about thumbs. Look, at, I'll tell you about my knees. Yeah, there's that, that friend that, uh, you know, you get married and then they just like, oh, let me tell you about my wedding day. You have a baby, they're like, oh, let me tell you about my baby. You get married, you, you, like you go on a holiday, next minute they're pulling out their photo album. Like, look at, oh, you had a holiday, look at, this is my holiday. Is that friend that like asks you a question about something, not because they want to know what you have to say about it, because they want to tell you what they think about it. You know that friend? It's that, that, that friend that, uh, you know, you get the flu, you get sick, and they're like, oh man, let me tell you about the flu from 1971. That was the flu. If you want to know about the flu, that was the flu. It's, ladies, it's that second cousin who shows up to your wedding day in a white dress. They just... It's those people in church when the All Blacks lose, they're like, yo, but the Springboks are liquor. You know, like... They just make everything about themselves. It's not, it's not important. We love to make stuff about ourselves, right? We love to make us the focus of the situation or the moment. But when God instructs this priest and his garments, what he does is he instructs them to write 
the names of the tribes of Israel and to carry those names on his shoulders as a reminder that he is not coming before God for himself. He's not coming before God for his own interests and his own welfare and his own wants and his own desires and his own needs. He is coming as a priest before God, carrying the names as a servant of the people that God has called him to represent and to carry. See, you and I, friends, as priests under God, we are not following Jesus for our own interests. We are not going after God and the call of God because it makes our life more blessed, our life this or that. We're not doing this to serve our own interests and grow our ministry or our blessing or whatever. We're doing this thing, following after the call of God as priests unto Him because of the names of those that God has called us to carry, the names that God has called us to serve. And I wonder, I think about the stones on my shoulders that would be written and have the names of my wife and my children and the names of my friends and my colleagues and my, those in my community that God's called me to serve and my church and you and those in other campuses. I, I think about that and I think, you know, as I serve God and I go after God, I'm not doing it for me. It's not about me. Because as a priest under God, I go before God, not representing myself alone, but carrying the names that God has called me to serve. See, as a priest under God, you, saw, you serve the people before God, not the other way around. The people don't serve you, you serve the people before God. See, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 20. He said, whoever wants to be great among you must become your servant. And whoever will be the first among you, he must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, the longer I go on this journey, the more I realize it's not about me. It's not about me and what I want and what, like what I want from God or my interests or my blessing or my betterment. Actually, what God has called me to do is to give my life for the betterment of others, for the flourishing and the growth and the blessing of those around me. And as a priest unto God, when I come before Him and when I seek Him and I serve Him, I'm not doing so as an individual. I'm doing so carrying names of those that God has called me to serve and to bless. And these stones remind us that we aren't called for our own agenda, but for the blessing and betterment of those around us. The question is today, who do you carry? What names are written on the stones on your shoulders? Because as priests unto God, it's not about us. And those names were a constant reminder that as he went before God, he went not for himself. He went for others. Amazing. The second question I have is this. What has God laid on your heart? What has God laid on your heart? Exodus 28 verse 15. You are to make an embroidered breast piece for, the, for making decisions. Make it with the same workmanship of the, as the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, finely spun linen. It must be square and double folded. Sounds like my wife teaching me how to do laundry. <laughs> nine inches long, nine inches wide. Place a setting of gemstones on it, four rows of stones. Verse 21. The 12 stones are to correspond to the names of Israel's sons once again. Each stone must be engraved like a seal with one of the names of the, of the 12 tribes. Verse 29, whenever he enters the sanctuary, Aaron must carry the names of Israel's sons over his heart on the breastpiece for decisions as a continual reminder before the Lord for decisions. Uh, I remember back in 2001, I was a pretty much a brand new Christian. So I got saved 2001 when I was 18 years old. 
and I um, immediately got involved with a friend of mine. He became my mentor and discipled me on the journey, Darren. And uh, he ran a club in his basement on Thursday nights at 7.17 on a Thursday night. Why 7.17? Because if you say 7, people think it's either 7 or 7.30, and we never remember. 7.17, easy. <laughs> so if people start showing up to your small group early or coming late, 7.17. So anyway, we would go, we'd run this club in his basement for community kids, just an outreach thing. So we would... Every Thursday night, 7.17, we'd show up at his place in his garage and we'd have all these kids from the community just come and we'd run Campus Life Club. Some of you are old enough to remember Campus Life. So we ran Campus Life. So I was involved in that for about a year and it was amazing just reaching out to young people and serving them and telling them about Jesus and helping them along their journey and leading them to the Lord and doing heaps of cool activities and camps and all kinds of stuff with them. But it wasn't long uh, after about a year of serving in that area where God started to change my heart. Actually, I, I began to get involved in church a lot more here, and I'd started to use my, uh, like, whatever I had to help with young people here and help youth and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, what I discovered was God began to lay a whole bunch of church kids on my heart. It was really odd because I'm not a church kid. I'm the kid who didn't know Jesus and didn't grow up in church and met God when I was 18 years old and God radically changed my life. And then all of a sudden, I have this heart for church kids because I'm, I'm, I'm in church with these young people and I realize they know about God, but they don't know Him. They know a lot about God, but they don't really know God. And I had this heart to help them to really know the amazing awesomeness of the reality of God. And so God began to lay these kids on my heart, people like Tim and Ashford and and Jake, and Daniel, and Simon, and, uh, and others along the way, and Jason, and I began to have this heart for these kids, and so I went and chatted with my friend Darren, I said, Darren, I think I've got to, I've got to, I've got to step out of campus life, because this is what's written on my heart, this is what's on my heart, I've got, I have this real burden, and this passion for these young people that, uh, and he's like, but Steve, we've got unsaved kids here, like, I'm like, I know we do, but I just feel like my heart is that's what's on my heart, and I had to make a change, and so we had an awkward conversation, and I stepped into more leadership here, and actually what that was was the beginning point of church ministry for me, which has led me now to the point where I am today, being a senior pastor, but it was because of what God had laid on my heart at that early stage that led me down this place. See, the question for you and I, friends, is this, who has God laid on your heart? What names are written on your heart? What's the burden that you carry for people? What's the, the place or the people? Like maybe God has laid on your heart a community. Maybe God has laid on your heart the poor or the homeless. Maybe God has laid on your heart the addicts and the broken. Maybe God has laid on your heart the solo mother or those crippled with debt. Maybe God has laid on your heart children and youth. Or maybe God's laid on your heart the elderly and those in rest homes who are lonely and isolated. Maybe God has laid on your heart foster kids. Maybe God has laid on your heart like little, real little ones. You love like children and babies and you want to just serve them and teach them about God. Maybe God has laid on your heart business people or God has laid on your heart a community or a city or another town and God's like put this other city on your heart and you're like, I don't know what that means, but God's laid it on your heart and maybe God's laid a church on your heart to go and plant somewhere in our nation or in the nations of the world. Maybe God's laid a nation on your heart. Maybe that's what God has written there, friends. Who is written on your heart. Who's written on your heart? And I'm, I'm talking in a big sense, but I'm also talking in a, like a daily sense. Like as you go and meet with the Lord, 
Like, who's God writing on your heart in that moment? The amount of times I'm sitting there, I'm praying, and God just lays someone on my heart. I'm like, oh man, I've got to pray for that person. And I love it when, when I get those text messages from people where they're like, hey bro, I was praying for you today. You just, God just laid you on my heart. I'm like, wow. God wrote me on someone else's heart that they would intercede and pray for me and support me and bless me. And man, I want to do the same for people. God, who, who are you laying on my heart today? Who do you want me to bless? You know, those, those names that are written on your heart, that city, that community, those people that's written on your heart are there for the purpose of decisions. It says that they were written on the breastplate for decisions. Why? Because that which is written on your heart should inform your direction and your decisions. If I've got a heart for the poor, then I've got a decision to make. Where does my money go? Where does my time go? Where, where does it go? It's directed by those that God lays on my heart. I've got a heart for young people. Well, you better get serving in youth. There's a great youth program called Oxygen. Get involved. Why? If that's what's on your heart, that's now your decision. What do I do with my Friday night? Decisions made. Decisions made. Man, I've got a heart for worship. Wow, that's amazing. If God has laid that on your heart, then friends, you've got a decision that you need to make. And it needs to be made informed by that. You've got a heart for solo mums or for fostering kids. Guess what? You've got a decision to make. And your decision is now informed by that which God lays on your heart. And guess what? You don't get to decide who God writes on your heart. You don't get to decide. They could be a totally different tribe. Aaron is like, he's a Levite from the tribe of Levi. Can you imagine him going, like if I had a room of 12 people, I can guarantee I'll like 10 of them. Two of them, not so much. You'll probably like all of them because you guys are Christians. Imagine like Aaron being like, yeah, I'll take, you know, I'll take Simeon, but I'm not, I'm not a fan of Benjamin. Like, those guys annoy me. I, I, I'm not, not really interested. You don't get to choose who God writes on your heart. It could be it's someone who looks totally different from you in a different place, in a different community, in a different sphere, from a different language, from a different tribe. But all you need to know is this, who has God written on your heart? And then you make your decisions based on who God writes on your heart. The decisions that you make and the direction that you take comes out of that place of God. Who have you written on my heart? So friends, who's, who's on your heart? Like, what community, what people, what area? Where is it that God has directed you to put your decision-making into? I, I really felt as I was preparing this morning that some of us here today are making decisions with only our own name on our heart. You're, you're making, like God is calling you to do something, to step out into an area and serve a group of people, but you're, you're not doing it because you're, only your name is written on your heart right now. You're only looking at your name. And I, and I want to encourage you, you'll find the fullness of life and freedom and you'll find incredible purpose as you begin to step beyond your own name and begin to serve the names that God has given to you, whose name is on your heart. The third thing is this. Third question is this. Who do I belong to? Who do I belong to? Sammy, you can join me on the keys. That'd be amazing. Exodus 28, verse 36 to 37. You're to make a, a, a pure gold medallion and engrave it, like the engraving of a seal, holy to the Lord. So that's what's written on the medallion, holy to the Lord. Fasten it to a blue cord, 
uh, a blue yarn so it can be placed on the turban. The medallion is to be on the front of the turban. Praise God for holy turbans. One of my um, hobbies over the last few years has been to coach high jump. So I used to do high jump when I was a teenager. I, like, I was okay at it, but I had a real passion for it. And so over the last few years, I've been coaching high jump as my kids have been involved with the athletics. And so at the local athletic club, I coach high jump. Uh, and so it's, it's a great joy. I absolutely love it. It's a real like kind of tank filler for me. It's a, uh, just a thing of great joy. And I have all kinds of kids from within the club from seven years old and up. They come along to my coaching sessions. And the kids that come, I would describe in two brackets. There's the incredibly focused, diligent ones. And there's those I affectionately call the space cadets. <laughs> because they live on a different planet. And they're somewhere in orbit, but we're not sure where. They're the kind of kids that you give instruction and you know it's like trying to hold water in a sieve. It's like, it's just gone straight through. It's like, when, when you're talking to them, they're not looking at you, they're looking through you. Those kids. Okay, Billy, what I want you to do, like, And occasionally the space cadets can get a bit out of control and they can get a little bit frustrating and they just get a bit loose. And there's been numerous occasions where I will get down on one knee in front of a small, normally boy, and I'll say, who do you belong to? Right? Because some parents dump and run. Because they know they got a space cadet. Buddy, whose are you? Who do you belong to? Huh? Where are your parents? What I'm doing, I'm trying to appeal to who, who's your authority? Because I want to give you back to your authority. That's what I want to do. Who do you belong to? Church, who do you belong to? Whose authority are you under? Who is the one that is ultimately in charge of you, your life? The priests wore a gold medallion on the front of a, of a headpiece called a turban. They wore this gold medallion, and the medallion said, Holy to the Lord, holy, set apart, belonging to, possessed by, or like called out, for the Lord, holy to the Lord, set apart, different, holy, holy, holy. I love how um, we had baptisms this morning and we got a bunch more throughout the day and our youngest, Rocky, is getting baptized tonight, which is super exciting for us. And, um, but I love how they got up here and they shared this, this some brief statements, but they're so powerful. What they're doing is this, it's a public moment where they go, I belong to him. I belong to him. I'm following him. I belong to him. And likewise, this medallion was an incredibly public statement. Like you couldn't go anywhere without this gold medallion on the front of your forehead, holy to the Lord. What a public statement. Right there, right on the mind. So that my words, my actions, my deeds, my directions are now no longer determined by me, 
but by the call of God. Why? Because I'm holy to the Lord. Wow. So as a priest unto God, my actions, decisions, direction is no longer determined by me. It's now determined by him who has me because I'm holy to the Lord. So I don't get to choose. I just get to follow the call of God for me. Here's what I've learned. In church, a lot of people want a savior, but not everyone wants a Lord. A lot of people want God to save them from their sin, take away their guilt and their shame and save them from hell, but they don't want God to tell them how to live their life. God, save me from my sin, but don't tell me how to live. Let me be. I'll just do whatever I want to do. A lot of people want a savior, but not everyone wants a Lord. But Jesus never said, take up your preferred version of your life and follow me. He said, deny yourself. No longer about me. Take up your cross and follow after me. Why? Because you're holy to the Lord. You're holy to the Lord. You're called out by him, set apart for him. And I wonder, as those who are holy to the Lord, what God is calling you out to do. To no longer live for your own way and your own selfish ambition, but to actually go, God, I want, I want to be led wholeheartedly by you. It's this, it's what I like to call radical obedience. If God says it, I'll go. If God tells me to do it, I'm doing it. Why? Because I'm holy to the Lord. I'm set apart for Him. This life I live and this life we live as Christians is no longer our own. You're set apart and whatever God calls you into, follow. Perhaps God today is going, hey, I want you to step out and come get prayer at the end of the service. There's a prayer team. They will pray for you. They'd love to do it. Why? You're holy to the Lord. Follow His lead. There's a small group table at the, in the cafe. Go join a small group. Why? You're holy to the Lord. Follow His lead. Whatever God is calling you into, whatever step He wants you to take, I want to say, friend, take it. You no, you no longer direct the steps. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. Why? Because you are holy to the Lord. I wonder today who you belong to. Actually, what I'd love to do is I'd love to pray a prayer for us. And I've actually written a little prayer. And I want to pray it a couple of times over. And I want to pray it for us as both individuals, but also as a church. Um, as we endeavor to be those who are called priests and kings unto God. Can we bow our heads for a moment, church? And I'd love to pray. Maybe something in this message has stirred you or encouraged you or challenged you. Just pray, just as I pray, just make this your prayer as well. Lord, as followers of Jesus and priests unto you, may all that we do be, be for those whose names we carry. May our decisions be determined by those you place on our hearts. And may we as a church live as ones holy to the Lord. Lord, as followers of Jesus and priests unto you, may all we do be for those who carry, we carry. May our decisions be determined by those you place on our hearts. And may we as a church live as ones holy to the Lord. Just while every eye is closed and head bowed, if, friend, I want to pray for you as well. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're far from Him and you need to get your life right with God, that's as simple as it is. Maybe you're here and you just need to get right with God today. The truth is, friends, God loves you. God made you. God's got a great plan for your life. We all mess up and sin. We all fall short of God's standard. And our sin, it separates us from God. And the payment that's due for our sin is death. And God in His grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself everything that you and I would do for our sin. 
that he conquered death in the grave and he rose again to new life and he extends to every person today his free gift of grace, forgiveness for all your wrongs, a brand new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you a new person from the inside out. You get to walk into the plans that God has for your life. There's a plan and purpose for you. And then, friend, there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And if you're not right with God, but you want to be, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. I'm going to pray it out loud. You pray it with me in your heart. When you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. Are you ready? Pray this prayer in your heart. Say this. Say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I'm done going my own way. So now I'm turning to you. I ask you to come in and be the Lord of my life. Save me from my sins. Forgive me of them. I choose from this day to make you the Lord of my life and to follow after you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.